There are more fears of recession this American Independence Day. Well, those fears were very much alive last week and they'll no doubt continue this week with big falls in bond yields, although equities curiously holding up in the US on Friday and oil rising too. We'll try and explain all that away and look ahead to a fairly busy week, particularly for Australia, with the big question, what will the RBA do tomorrow? And a supplementary question for Sydney siders, just how wet is it? It's Monday, the 4th of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, if you're wondering about today's podcast title, which is Independence Day Recession Resurgence, that is a play on the uh, the movie Independence Day Resurgence, which was a second movie in which uh, you probably haven't seen it because I don't think anyone did. Uh, but the aliens try and take over the world again. I'm pretty sure no one watched it. But anyway, another movie about the end of the world. But it, look, it feels like the end of the world in Sydney uh, over the weekend, although calming down a bit this morning. Never good when the Warragamba Dam starts to overflow, is there? Not, no need for that deceleration plan now, is there? But anyway, let's tear ourselves away from that this morning to see how the markets finished last week, a week that saw off the first half year in the United States. Uh, the equities uh, market had the worst six months since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And here's Russia creating trouble again. But U.S. equities kicked off the second half in better form. On Friday, the Dow and S&P 500 both up just over 1%. The Nasdaq up 0.9%, whereas European equities were pretty mixed. The Eurostoxx 50 down 0.2%. The FTSE 100 pretty flat, but the DAX up a quarter percent and oil bouncing up a 2.5 percent rise in wti brent up 2.4 percent on friday at $111.60. the u.s dollar was up more than 0.9 percent over the week 0.4 percent of that was on friday but the aussie on friday down losing 1.3 percent 1.6 percent over the entire week the euro was down 0.7 percent on friday same for the pound and big falls in bond yields the u.s 10-year treasury yields down 13 basis points on friday down to 2.88 percent that's 60 basis points lower than mid-June. And we had similar falls at the uh, short end of the curve as well. In the UK, 10 years were down 15 basis points on Friday, down 56 from their peak on the 21st. Since then, a 65 basis point drop in uh, two-year yields in the UK. Over the same period, from highs in mid-June, Aussie 10 years are down 60 basis points as well. Three years are down 72. So why this continued fall in bond yields? And uh, why is this happening when shares are going up is the other question. Here's NAB's Rodrigo Catrill. Not too wet, I hope, at NAB in Sydney. Uh, so presumably still concerns about the future of the global economy and uh, maybe doubts about how far central banks will go despite their rhetoric, which might explain why there's a bit of enthusiasm in, in equities. But generally... Are we heading for another recession? That's the big question at the moment, isn't it, Rudy? Morning, Phil. Yes, and uh, and I suppose the data is the one that is sort of fueling that that concern around uh, inflation, uh, given that we had that uh, ISM manufacturing um, that uh, printed below expectations, um, and it was sort of the the regional surveys were telling us that there was a risk for downside. Um, surprise, if you like, for the ISM. Um, but the, the big surprise within the ISM was that we had the new orders reading uh, printing in contractuary mode. Um, and of course, the new orders is an important sub-index because it tends to have a good leading um, now, uh, potential, if you like, for, for the index itself. So it does suggest that uh, July is probably going to print lower. Uh, and of course, it also does suggest that uh, activity within the sector is going to um, to decrease uh, over the coming months with industrial production uh, also you know likely to to print lower as well so um it's not a it's not a good story in that sense and um um but it, as you as you point out in your introduction it's it's sort of this interesting uh, uh 
you know, different interpretation by different markets. Uh, the concern is clearly being reflected by that big, big move lower in, in, in bond yields, um, while the equity market seems to be sort of, um, you know, treating the bad news in a good way, in, in the sense that it's probably suggesting that uh, less hikes may be needed from the Fed. Yeah, well, the move, the move um, index, which is like the VIX index for bonds, isn't it, is, is creeping higher. The VIX index has calmed down quite a bit, so as though uh, uh, equity markets are taking it in their stride. But could a bit of it also be, you know, that we just had a disastrous half year and there's a bit of, you know, we're into a new into a new quarter and so there's a bit of buying the dip going on in equities i mean because it's not they're not massive increases are they so far they're not massive increases but it's certainly uh, it, it at least on the day it is quite a quite a sharp contrast we, we've seen big declines in in 10-year treasury yields you, you talk about those big big ranges um you know 10-year treasury yields traded in a 23 basis point range on on friday um, which maybe because of the long weekend that is coming, um, maybe contributed to that sort of, uh, you know, conditions being less liquid. Uh, but certainly, um, there, there's a certainly theme of positivity, if you like, uh, in the equity market, maybe because of levels being so depressed uh, as it is already. Um, uh, but certainly, um, uh, the, the dynamics on that, uh, one sort of big, I think, important assumption here is that um, the equity market is seeing this news as, as a potential uh, that uh, maybe will have a less aggressive Fed. Uh, and indeed, that's also been reflected in the rates market um, with sort of further easing uh, being priced in uh, for 2023. Uh, but one big assumption in all of this is that um, the slowdown in growth is going to come alongside a slowdown in inflationary pressures. And, and that at this stage, I don't think can be a given. Uh, given that inflation no, rate and, are, and the Fed has said, Jerome Powell has said they will just keep on, do, you know, even if it's not working, they're just going to keep on doing it uh, for as long as it takes. So, uh, you know, it, it could I mean, it could be disastrous news, couldn't it? Because they could be going harder, even though the figures are getting worse already. You know, the the economy could take a quite a battering from all of this. If if central banks say, well, it's not hitting inflation yet, we just got to keep going. And that would really change the attitude of the equity market. Certainly. And, and, and I think that that's the point. So Central banks and Fed Chair Powell in particular have highlighted that sort of primary importance that they need to bring inflation down. They're very concerned that, you know, inflation expectations could become the anchored uh, and, and that basically uh, in their view, and we've got to remember central banks have a sort of a medium to long term view of the economy. Uh, the most important thing is to make sure that inflation uh, is stable. Um, if it becomes, you know, elevated and remains elevated, that is not a very good environment for growth. And therefore, we need to be willing and, and you, to take some growth pain in the near term to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, the, the focus still remains on inflationary prints. And at the moment, uh, there's a general, there's a sense that it's going to take a little while for those inflation readings to actually start showing some easing pressures. We, we also got to remember that central bank policy works with a lag. So um, all that is happening today will only really have an effect, a real effect, potentially six months down the line. So uh, the employment index as well in that ISM report was uh, also under 50. In fact, it was under 50 in May. It's fallen further below 50 at 47.3. So, uh, you know, if we're thinking that it's going to hit jobs, uh, this downturn, uh, which you'd assume it would, and, you know, maybe that's what it's going to take to uh, to tame inflation, then we're starting to see that in those ISM numbers as well. But we also uh, are seeing commodities hit, aren't we? So this big fall in copper below $8,000 a tonne for the first time in 18 months. 
uh, perhaps that is a better gauge than oil because oil is up. But I mean, there's lots of factors affecting oil right now, including geopolitics, not just Russia, and obviously the delivery issues, OPEC policies, all that sort of stuff. But this big hitting in in copper is really an indication, isn't it, of, of just how much demand we're going to see on the global economy moving forward. Yeah, so the, the the decline in copper is probably, and Dr. Copper, as some people call it, is is, is really an indication of, um, of those expectations of global growth. Uh, and, and certainly the, the sharp decline um, is, is reflecting those concerns that a, a slowdown is coming. Um, the magnitude of that slowdown is, is sort of the, the big question. Um, and, and that's something being reflected as well in currencies, where the Aussie and the Kiwi are also underperforming, not only on the day, but also on the week, uh, and printing two-year lows, I, again, reflecting uh, their pro-growth sensitivity, if you like, uh, and in this case, a, a negative growth outlook as well. Oh, well, New Zealand, of course, you know, uh, they're down as well because they're the lowest uh, or the second lowest consumer confidence read ever on Friday and, you know, falling house prices. Hey, who would have thought that falling house prices in New Zealand? But I mean, that's that's obviously hit the, the Kiwi dollar as well quite a bit. It has. And, and it's sort of just playing into that narrative of um, that not only New Zealand, to some extent, is, is ahead of us in, in Australia, given that the central bank has already been tightening for quite some time and quite aggressively. Uh, but again, it's a, it's a very good example of, of the commitment of a central bank to that inflationary concern or to that fight against inflation, uh, notwithstanding those slowdown concerns in terms of growth. And, um, and again, a reminder that, you know, the central banks will keep going until they see evidence that we see an ease in those inflationary pressures. It seems whatever the collateral damage along the way. So let's hope it does work ultimately. In Europe, uh, we no sign that inflation is slowing there. No, nowhere near close to being tamed. Uh, the, uh, the, the inflation rate for June year on year up to 8.6% from 8.1%. So the core rate is down. But the core rate kind of ignores what the problem is, isn't it? Because it ignores energy and food, which is actually what's pushing prices up. Well, and I think that that's one big theme that we have been highlighting as well, uh, not only for, for Europe, but in general, is that typically, um, you know, we focus on the core because the headline tends to be more volatile. Uh, but if those drivers that are driving the headline, like food and energy, uh, are likely to become more permanent, then that's a different story. And that's a concern. And, and I suppose the other sort of bad news when you look at the uh, the European numbers is that the core rein was lower, thanks uh, in, in large part because of those uh, subsidies introduced in Germany for transport, um, which are only temporary. Uh, so we know that they will expire. Nine, year, nine euros, for those who are not across it, nine euros for a full month to go anywhere on the train in yep. Germany. Uh, I guess that was a, you know, which is uh, apparently the railway stations were completely flooded with people, but because we're getting <laughs> cars off the road, I guess, so there's less energy consumption. But as you say, it's only a short-term measure. I think it's gone Well, now, they're, they're going to expire slowly through July and August. So it does play to the view that a core inflation uh, in Europe has a good chance of getting or reaching that 4% or above 4% by September, um, which again, you know, it's... It's a reminder that the ECB is, is about to keep get going in terms of those rate hikes. Um, and uh, whilst um, the idea of a 25 basis point rate hike in July seems to be a, a pretty strong base, base case, uh, it's now lifting expectations for um, a 75 basis point increase in September, um, which is quite aggressive from, you know, bearing in mind how low rates have been in, in Europe. Well, the big question, of course, is the RBA tomorrow. 
50 basis points. Is that the presumption now? Well, we think so, yes. And and there's a general view by the market as well from economists. And, and when you look at the price and expectations, um, that 50 basis point is, is more likely than not. Uh, um, we still have those inflationary readings and, and leading indicators of inflation that are telling us that price pressures are still very much evident. And of course, the, the RBA itself uh, also thinks that uh, inflation in Australia will continue to rise, reaching 7% by Q4. So um, place to the view that they need to be aggressive, at least uh, initially, um, to set the tone, if you like. And how much uh, attention should we pay to the Melbourne Institute's monthly inflation gauge? That report that last month showed 1.1%, a, a big leap, month on month, uh, increase in, inf- in inflation. And, and uh, so because that's out this morning. Is it worth keeping a close tabs on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose the the um the the inflation reading was for a very long time not, not not many people looked at it it was only kind of this thing that economists looked at but now because of those concerns around inflation um it's certainly become a, a more uh, interesting reading uh, and i suppose that the one to watch there is is those uh, inflation expectations that are, are continue to rise and if if that's the case it, it will feed the notion um that um, not only inflation is getting out of control, if you like, in Australia, but also there's inflation expectations uh, are at risk of de-anchoring, which is obviously the big concern for central banks. Yeah, yeah. All right, building approvals as well for Australia today and new lending data. Uh, and uh, the, later on in the week, uh, ISM Services uh, is out on Wednesday for the United States. Non-farm payrolls, of course, at the end of the week as well. And uh, the last DC, minutes of the last DCB meeting and the FRMC minutes as well, uh, but fairly quiet today, obviously, because it is Independence Day in the United States. So maybe a much calmer day on the market, although you can never be totally certain, can you? <laughs> yes, uh, at least it seems to be that we will have a sort of more mellow start to the week. Um, you talked about inflation and the importance for um, particularly the core reading um, uh, for central banks it being a, a less tight level market will be an encouraging sign. But at the moment, uh, non-farm payrolls are still expected to be quite solid, uh, 250,000, uh, and then employment rate to remain unchanged at 3.6. So again, too early to, to see evidence of an effect from the, you know, the tightening that is already underway by the Fed being reflected in, in a weaker labor market. Yeah, well, that's actually the point I was going to make earlier. It, uh, uh, the equity market's sort of like uh, in, looking quite positive at the moment because they're thinking, yes, if the Fed's going to do less, uh, that means that uh, if they're thinking that, that means that perhaps they can uh, kick this problem quickly and it'll all be over in a hurry. But I mean, uh, under, all the underlying factors aren't going away, are they? The war's still there. The supply chain problems are still there. And yet the labor market is still tight. Yes. And, and that's why we think that, you know, at least for the next couple of months, um, this uncertain environment will, will continue. Uh, be very supportive for safe havens like the US dollar. Uh, and unfortunately, it means the Aussie and the Kiwi, for instance, will will struggle uh, over the, until we have more yeah. clarity. All right, very good. Uh, on that positive note, <laughs> thanks, Rodrigo. We'll leave it there. Uh, we'll catch <laughs> you again soon. Cheers. Thanks, Will. Cheers. So there's two big questions. How high will the RBA go? How low will the Aussie dollar go? Well, we will be answering those questions, of course, in coming episodes of The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Catch you again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.